Well, on Super Bowl Sunday, we started this uh, incredibly, amazingly, creatively titled series, Seven. And seven weeks later, we're here today. Can you believe that was Super Bowl Sunday? It seems like it was just yesterday. And if you've been here, this kind of seven-week journey, you'll, you'll have heard me say this uh, many, many times. You probably could recite this from memory, but this series called Seven was a, is all about seven churches located in seven specific cities. And it's Jesus' performance review. Performance review for the church as a whole, collectively, but as you and I both know, the church is made up of people, individuals, you and I. So it's ever as much as a performance review for you and I. He challenged. There's things that he said, hey, you're doing this extremely well. Keep doing those things. There's things that he picked out, and there's a reason he picked out those specific things that he wanted to make sure that he highlighted. He said, way to go. I like that. And there was a list of things that he also pointed out and highlighted and said, uh, stop doing that. And so these letters were filled with encouragement and rebuke. High fives and corrections. But gave us an incredible pathway to most importantly get inside the heart and mind of Jesus. It's been his words, his heart, his passion, his concern. What he wanted to point out in these seven letters, even though they were written thousands of years ago, are still so relevant for us today. And so as I thought about this last week, week seven, and we're going to get to this last letter written to the church uh, located in the city of Laodicea. And I really feel like that this last letter, it, have you ever watched you know, a movie trilogy or uh, read a series of books? You know that that last book hopefully will wrap everything up, will answer all the questions, all the tension that's been set through countless movies, countless books, countless storylines. We're all going to come to this one kind of amazing climatic ending, unless it was a TV show lost. Horrid. I still don't know what that whole show was about, and I wasted years of my life watching it. And I watched the ending twice, and I still had no clue what it was about. I don't think the writers knew what the whole show was about, but they made a lot of money. We end today with this letter, and I think this is Jesus, like if Jesus said, out of all the seven letters, make sure you read this one. Out of all seven letters, don't, if you skip one, don't skip this one. Out of all the seven letters, I think Jesus was saving the best for last, the most important for last. Because if we follow his pathway in this letter number seven, if we really take his words and sink them deep into our hearts, if we really hold on If letters one through six will happen. It will happen. If 
we take what he said to heart in letter seven. But what I know is over the last six weeks, there's been a lot of information, a lot of content. I understand that all of our lives are extremely busy and probably uh, just a small handful of you have actually been to church six weeks in a row. (gasps) I have to come six weeks in a row. I wish I could sleep in on Sunday morning. But I understand some of you haven't been able to. Some of you have been off to work or family obligations or we're sick or right. We, I understand life. And so maybe you missed a week. For some of you, this is your first Sunday here and you're like, oh, great. It's, it's week seven. I'm going to be totally lost. What I wanted to do was to take a good chunk of time and walk back very concisely through these seven letters or six letters leading up to to today. Because there's amazing, amazing points and insight that I hope we all collectively as a church, but also individually hold on to. If you think back to Super Bowl Sunday, week one, kind of the core point, core principle was to intensify our love. To intensify our love. It's so easy for us, just like the church located in Ephesus, to lose sight of our first love, Jesus. It's so easy for us to go inward and not focus outward. You see, so many times, this happens in countless churches across America. Churches become so inward focused, and this is what happened to the church in Ephesus, so inward focused, and they take their eyes off of Jesus, and they start worrying about all this internal stuff inside these church walls, and they forget. Why Jesus came and died. Have you ever said, maybe while you've been here at Renaissance or maybe sitting in another church, I wish, I wish this church was more like, I wish the pastor would teach deeper, I wish that the worship would look like this, I wish that this church would be more about this. And I'm not saying there's not times where those I wish statements shouldn't be paid attention to. So don't hear me on that. But so many times I've sat down with people listening to them saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And all their wish statements is about them. Renaissance is laser focused about being a church that anyone can walk into and feel connected with. We're about connecting with people that are far from God, that have walked away from God, that are disconnected from God, that have issues with church, that don't want to come back to church. And so everything we do on Sunday morning for this one hour is all about that. We are laser focused on that. Why? 
here's what happens. As you pay attention and start really seeking God, as your eyes go vertical and you really start understanding the heartbeat of God, why God sent his son to walk on this earth, to die on a cross, when your eyes remain on him, guess what happens? Your eyes are going horizontal and you start looking out to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your family members. You start looking at other people. Why? Because when you look at God, he will force your eyes outwards. And as your eyes go outward, guess what happens? You can't focus on yourself. Now, we're going to get to the inside part of you. So, no, that's incredibly important. But for this one, I'm just telling you, we as a church are going to be incredibly passionate about helping create bridges, connection points with people that do not have a relationship with God. And for some of you, you're sitting there right now, and I'm talking to you. And for some reason, you've, you've walked in here. You've been invited. You saw a sign. You went on the website. So you went to Winberries and you walked in the wrong door, and you found, find yourself up here going, whoa. But you're here. And you've been able to connect at some level on the spiritual journey. Everything we do for this one hour on Sunday morning is about that. It's about that. Because as we focus on God and what God has called us to love and know and do, when we love God and we keep our eyes focused on him, it will force our eyes out horizontal and we start seeing people through God's lenses If you're sitting there going, man, I wish Renaissance, I wish it was deeper, 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 deeper. This is what I would ask you. When was the last time you invited someone that did not have a relationship with God at all to a church service and sat beside that person? I promise you, if you do that, you'll start seeing this hour through a whole different set of lenses. See, the church in Ephesus all became this inward group of Christ followers. And all they cared about was their church. And they missed Jesus' first love. And that was for all people. All people. We went to the next week. And the line was, prevail when the pressure overwhelms. We all understand that this life there's a lot of pressure. There's, there's relationship pressures. I mean, pressure with your husband, pressure with your, your wife, pressure with your kids, pressure at work. We were uh, uh, walking downtown Summit yesterday uh, with the kids, and we kind of went on this big, big kind of hike. We called it a hike because that tricked our kids from, for, uh, to walk three miles. So you call something a hike and it's fun. And so we hiked and we're walking downtown Summit because we're going to make this big loop down to Magic Fountain, which was kind of one of our end destinations. And uh, this couple was walking towards us and you could tell they were a couple because they had matching workout outfits on. It was amazing. I'm like, wow, you guys color coordinated. And so as they were walking towards us, uh, the girl was on a phone. And just all I heard as she was passing by was, I know my family's dysfunctional. 
<laughs> and she kept on walking. I was like, I would love to follow her. And my wife's like, no, you can't. Right? We all understand that. We've all had that conversation probably this past week. There's financial pressures. There's future pressures. I was on the phone with a good friend yesterday, and his whole future is upside down. And he's trying to figure it out. And what's amazing, he's at an incredible place, even though the pressure is overwhelming. And we looked at and talked about James chapter 1, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because when you do, you'll persevere. And when you persevere, your faith will be made complete, lacking in nothing. We as a church are going to have incredible moments of pressure. Moments that are going to push us as a church to the edge. Moments that are going to try our resolve. Moments that are going to try to break our commitment to our mission, what we're about. And the question is, are we as a church going to prevail? Because with God's strength, we can overcome anything. Then we looked at this phrase. The Bible is our GPS. In 2 Timothy, it says that there's going to be this time. Again, written thousands of years ago, there's going to be this time where people will want to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And they'll surround themselves with people that will scratch that itch. That will take God's word and will bend it and will manipulate it and will position it to accomplish what they want to hear. I want you to know that this church is going to be about about this book. And there's pieces of this book that will give incredible joy. There'll be parts of this book there will be an incredible roadmap that you'll say, I like that. And there will be parts of this book that will hit a nerve. I got a cavity filled one time without Novocaine. I don't recommend that at all. The dentist literally looked at me. He goes, are you sure? I'm like, no, I'm fine. Because he said it was shallow uh, cavity. I'm like, no, I'm fine. He goes, no, no, really, are you sure? I'm like, I'm fine. Just get this thing done. The whole time I'm holding on to the side of that, that chair. And when they hit that nerve, it just... My entire body went, there's parts of this book, guess what it does? It will hit a nerve. There's parts of this book that blow my mind. I don't get. And I have to wrestle through. But we're going to use this, and this will be our guide. And my challenge for you is this. Get into this book. Allow it to be your guide. This fall, in November, uh, we have 30 spots open. We'll talk more about this next week. But uh, we're going to take a group of people, whoever wants to go, to the Holy Land, to Israel. And uh, there's nothing better. I haven't been, but everyone I've talked to said this book will come alive. When you start reading these stories, where Jesus taught, where the disciples walked, where people were healed. And so I just want to challenge you. I know it's going to be, there's a cost factor to it. There's a time factor to it. 
But Rich and I are so, so excited because we really feel like for that group of 30 people that sign up, it's going to open their eyes to this book in such an incredible way. And that's why we're going. And so I want to challenge you when that comes out, get signed up. Four, live in the tension. There's a question I ask What is your Oreo cookie? What is that thing seducing you? What is that thing grabbing onto you? I've gotten countless, countless emails from people that have made me laugh. I had one person send me an email with a picture of an, it was this Oreo cookie. The caption was, uh, uh, this will break your habit. And the Oreo cookie was made out of Colgate toothpaste. I'm like, that's awesome. And then I got this email from someone who found this recipe where they took an Oreo cookie, double stuffed, and they wrapped it around chocolate chip cookie dough and baked them. Oh, I saved that recipe one day. But what is that thing in your your life that's seducing you? C.S. Lewis said it best. Jesus is the only one who truly understands the power of temptation because he never gave in. He lived in the tension. And then we talked about developing your inside. God cares 0% about your outside. He's desperately passionate about your inside. And here's the thought. Don't for once think that an hour on Sunday morning is going to fix your inside. Don't for once think that an hour on Sunday morning is going to help you understand God more. Don't think for once that an hour on Sunday morning is going to help you work through all your doubts and all your fears and all those things that keep you from growing in your faith. Hour on Sunday morning is, is so important. But don't think. Right? If you only ate healthy at one meal out of your week, I ate a salad for lunch. I can now eat hamburger and fries every other meal. Right? Could you imagine telling your boss, oh, I'm only coming in for an hour today to work. It's okay. I'll get a lot done in an hour. And that's why we challenge you. And that's why we have a team working on helping create tools and resources. And I cannot wait for all these pieces to roll out. But right now, you can start. For some of you, you were like, well, I want to start reading the whole Bible. That's awesome. For some of you, that works. For some of you, I'd challenge you, grab one verse and memorize that one verse. And let that one verse sink into your heart. Let that one verse consume your mind. Could you imagine, out of 52 weeks in this year, if you memorized 52 verses, where you would be and where you would be spiritually. God desperately wants you to grow internally. He wants your heart to expand. He wants you to know him more. So what are you doing every day? How are you intensifying your prayer life? How are you taking this book and letting it 
deep roots within you. And then Sunday becomes a place where it just gives you a boost to get through the, the rest of your next week. Sunday morning became, becomes a moment where you're inviting people to experience this with you. Sunday morning becomes a place where you can connect with other people. Sunday morning becomes not your lifeline, but a moment just to keep you cranking. Then last week, we talked about running with a purpose. And we looked at Hebrews 12. And uh, Jesus had his finish line. It said in Hebrews 12 that Jesus was seated, is seated at the right hand of God. That was his finish line. And that we all should keep focused on wherever you find yourself spiritually. I, I get it that some of you are still wondering, like, okay, is this God real? Is this Jesus real? And do I? That's awesome. I'm glad you're in that space and you're here. Keep focus on them. For some of you, you've been on this spiritual journey for more years than I've been alive. And I would still say to you, keep focus on him. Because once you take your eyes away from him, right, you're either growing towards him or away from him. So all of that leads to today. The seventh church. The seventh letter to this church located in Laodicea. In verse 17, it says, You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. Like, Jesus, again, I think he's just saving, like, the best for last. And he's giving at at kind of the heart of life. And he was looking at this church in Laodicea. And he was looking at this church that had everything. They were comfortable. You know what comfort breeds? Complacency. And they just became complacent. They were living a good life. They were making a good wage. They had everything they needed. And Jesus said, well, you might have everything you need on this earth, but you're really lacking. Because again, God doesn't care about the outside. He cares a whole lot about who you are internally. He goes on, he goes, I counsel you to buy, buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Meaning, all of who you are, all that you think means success, all you think that makes you rich must come from him. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. You see, Laodicea was famous for their black wool. Historians think that they literally were bringing these black sheep and they had this corner on the market and they were sending this black wool across the entire region and people would come from hundreds of miles to purchase this black wool. It's what they're known for. And Jesus said, that's great, but you know what? Let me clothe you spiritually. And 
and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Laodicea was also known kind of for their medical innovations. And they had discovered this this kind of powder called Phrygian dust that that you could put literally on your eyes to help you see and help counteract some some, uh, eye issues. And she said, you might be innovators in that area, but I can really make you see. And then he says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You see, the one issue with Laodicea is that uh, their water supply was tepid, was lukewarm. You see, there was these hot springs in Heropolis, and they had this aqueduct bringing the water from there into Laodicea. But by the time the water from the hot springs got to Laodicea, guess what? It was lukewarm. And then up in Colossae, they had these cold rivers. And by the time they got the water from Colossae to Laodicea, guess what happened? And so their number one issue was just this nasty, warm water. And Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold, I'd rather you be hot, than lukewarm. Where's your spiritual temperature right now? Where is your spiritual temperature? I hear this a lot. Chris, I, I, I I don't feel, I just don't feel God right now. Chris, I just, I, I just don't feel, at one point I felt inside, I felt him, but right now I, I don't feel, I don't feel him. I get that. But your relationship with God has to be more than a feeling. Could you imagine if your love for your kids was all about a feeling? I mean, I walk in my house and they're screaming and yelling and crying. The dog's being thrown. And, th- and, and my wife goes, they're yours. And she walks out. Can you imagine? Think about your best friend. If that relationship was just based off of feeling, how long would you stay best friends with them? Think about your spouse. If it was just all about a feeling. But for some reason, we put all of our, uh, we kind of slide all of our chips across the table to God and say, well, if I feel you, I will follow you. If I feel you, I will love you. If I feel you, I will commit to you. If I feel. Listen to feelings for a second. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. 
Those are Jesus' words in the garden before he's arrested and before he's crucified. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't make a decision based off his feelings, but out of his commitment to the plan of his heavenly father? I hope you know that your relationship with God must be more than just a feeling. So the question for you is, what are you doing to intensify, to raise the temperature of your spiritual walk? You might be sitting there again going, Chris, how can I raise my temperature of my spiritual walk and I don't believe in God? What are you going to do? to answer the questions that are stopping you from having a relationship with them. What are you going to do to get to know who God is? What are you going to do to work through the doubts that are creeping up in your heart? What are you going to do for those of you who have found them found yourselves just stagnant. What do you need to start doing in your, in your life right now? Two simple things, and it sounds so churchy. Pray and read your Bible. Talk to God. You know how you can do that? On a run, in your car, on the train, in the bathroom, walking, working. There's no magical thing you have. Just start talking to them. Talk out loud. People might stare at you. That's cool. Why not? I sat in Starbucks this morning, and I just had everything shut, and I was just praying. As I stared out the, the picture window, and I said, God, Find someone in your life that will help you grow spiritually. There's things you can do right now to intensify. And Jesus ends this letter in such an amazing way. Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Did your parents ever say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? I'll never forget the first time I ever said that to my oldest kid. I had that moment. I'm like, oh, I just said that. I promised I would never say those words. As a kid, I thought they were like the worst moment ever. I'm like, yeah, right, Dad. This is hurting me a lot right now. You know, this is what Jesus was saying. I love you so much. But you better listen And you better take heart. And you better put into action every word that I've written and spoken. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What an amazing, amazing picture 
What an amazing promise. Jesus is saying to everyone, I'm standing right next to you. I'm available. And there's nothing you have to do. All you have to do is say, come on in. And when he said, and eat with you, that meal was one of the most intimate moments of the day in that culture. That evening meal, you only ate with the closest of your friends. And Jesus says, you know what? I want to have such an intimate, close relationship with you. I want to eat with you and do life with you. And for some of you, you're sitting there going, okay, how do I do that? How do I just ask him to come in? Like, isn't there this like thing I have? No, there's no thing. You, you just have to say, Jesus, come into my heart. It's all you have to do. Jesus is already there. Whether you like it or not. Whether you want him there or not. And he desperately wants a, a relationship with you. The you sitting there right now, the imperfect you, the sinful you, the flawed you, the over-controlling you, the doubt-filled you. The messy you. I personally cannot wait for Easter. Because here's what I know about Easter. There's two times a year that people are the most open spiritually to A, have a conversation, and B, come to a church. Two times. Christmas Eve and Easter. We all know that. There's just something about those two. Whatever people believe, even atheists, agnostics, you name it, there's something about those two days where at least a little crack, a little something happens where people are at least open about it. And I want you to know, Easter Sunday is going to be a weekend like you'll... You, I'm so excited. And we worked long and hard to develop church invite cards that do not look like church invite cards. And we're kicking off a brand new series called Life Beyond Existence. And we're going to be talking about how you can have a life that God desires you to have a life that's just beyond just waking up, cranking through the day, going to sleep and repeating. That God desires for you to have a full and an amazing life, a life of impact, a life of joy, a life of excitement, a life where you can leave an amazing legacy that will live on beyond you. And so I just want to encourage you, challenge you, ask you, grab a stack of these. Be praying for people by name, but also just ask the Holy Spirit to say, open doors. Don't say no to someone. Because right now you're like, okay, I could ask this person, this person, this person. But if I ask this person, they're going to say no. What if they said yes? What if they said yes? And so as you leave here today, grab a stack. Grab hundreds. The only thing I ask, 
What you grab, you hand out. We have posters. Clay talked about those. You know of places where you see going, you know what? If someone just looked at it, maybe. We're, again, we're scattering seeds. Next week, we kick off a new series. And that series is going to be two weeks. Seven weeks, two weeks. And it's not entitled two, by the way. But as we bring this to a close, intensify your love. Prevail when the pressure overwhelms. Make sure the Bible is your GPS. Live in the tension. Develop your inside. Run with a purpose. And if you do this, one through six will happen. Raise your spiritual temperature. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I pray for this Easter season that we're coming into. I pray that a spark will be ignited in all of our lives, in all of our hearts. That, Lord, we will be bold. That, Lord, we will be praying by name for people. That, Lord, we will hand out invites and invite with expectation so that people can come and experience this Easter Sunday and get a glimpse of who you are and what you came to do and that your love that you have for them, that, Lord, that this could be an amazing experience for people that have walked away from you, that have no connection with you. So, Lord, I pray. I pray for every person in this room that they will be your hands and your feet, that they will be your voice. And a spark that's, that is set will turn into a raging fire. In your name I pray, amen.